Okay, we are learning Daf Nun Gimel. So what's happening here is that we're discussing somebody who already did Chalitza. So he freed the girl. And remember, after Chalitza, there's a lav to marry her. The Torah says, Kivan Shalobana Shuv Yibana. So there's a lav to marry her. And we're discussing what happens if he makes a mimer now. So we, we said mimer is a, and in fact a regular Kedushan that happens to be in Ani Yavama. So the question is, what if he undertakes this, this mimer after post-Chalitza? So he's, uh, first of all, it's a Maimar and a Lavin. So if you hold like Rabbi Akiva, in Kedushin, Tosim, Chavi Lavin, nothing to talk about. There's not going to be Tvisus Kedushin. If there's a Lav to marry her, once you do Chalitza, there's a Lav to marry her, so then there can't be Tvisus Kedushin. That's pretty simple. But according to the Rabbanon, that there is Tvisus Kedushin on a Chavi Lavin, so then simply the Halacha should be that there is Tvisus Kedushin. You shouldn't marry her, but if you attempt a marriage, it should be like a marriage attempted on a Chavi Lavin where, where it is Chal, where it is Tvisus. Fine. But the Gemara then brought in the opinion of Rebbe. Rebbe says that it depends. It depends basically on the intent that the person has. If his intent is that it should be like a regular condition, then it could take effect. But if his intent is that it should be specifically taking effect as a mimer of Yibum, then it, can't take, then it cannot take effect. Um, and not because it's usher so bad, because it's only a lav, but the point is because there's no more mimer of Yibum to, you, to do post the Chalitza. So the Gemara was trying to figure out what the Machlokas depended on. So yesterday the Gemara said one approach, that the Machlokas depends whether mimer is always a chalais that takes effect with the zika. Is the mimer working with the zika or working independent? In other words, is the, is the chalais of mimer a regular condition that happens to be a tzana yavama, or is it a chalais that's taking place with the zika? If it's a chalais that's taking place with the zika, that's Rabbi's opinion, so then you got to specify that you're making a regular condition. Because if, you, if you're saying that you're making a, a mimer of yivam after post chalitza, that's like a paradox. You can't have that. You can't have a, a chalais of mimer of yivam when it's post chalitza and there's no zika. Whereas the Rabbanon would say, no, even if you have it that way, it could work because mimer is always an independent and work never functions together with the Zika. So now we're at the bottom of Nun Beis on the Beis, four lines up, but we're going to see a second approach here in terms of this question whether Mimer takes effect post If the person said, I want it to be a Mimer of Yibam, everybody would hold it to work because everybody agrees Mimer doesn't work with the Zika. Everybody agrees that Stam Mimer is a Kedushin that happens to be on Yibama, so it's good. But Hakamai, you know, here we're dealing with a case. The person said the following words. Yes, you're Mekodesh to me. He said, with the Zika of Yavamin. Those were the words that he said. He, he specifically said that he wanted to be like the Zika. So now the question is, everybody agrees that if you would do it before Chalitza, that would work. But now you're doing a post-Chalitza when the Zika is gone. So Rebbe, Savar, Rebbe, Hol, Tapa, Damadal, Yesh Zika. There is Zika. Yesh Zika means that Zika is treated like marriage. So basically the Chalitza is strong. And, and now what happens? There's no more Zika anymore. It takes away the Zika. So if you're going to emphasize, I want it to be Chao with the Zika, what does it mean Chao with the Zika? There is no Zika. Therefore, it's not, it doesn't take effect. So the words that you said, in other words, you couldn't make a regular condition, but when you say these words, I want it to take effect with the Zika, so it's just you're saying a ridiculous statement. You, you want to take an effect with the Zika, with the marriage relationship between the Yavam and the Yavam that exists with the bind to Yibam. What do you mean? That Zika's gone. Post Chalitza. So the words that you say undermine the miser that you're doing. There's never really Zika. So what did the person mean? I want it to be Mekudosh to me with the Zika. So he was just basically, the Rishonim say he was basically giving a parable. He's saying, I want to become married to you the same way Zika is like marriage. So if you hold Yesh Zika and this and that, well, at this point, there's no Zika anymore. But the Rabbanon hold that there's never Zika. So what did it mean? I wanted to be Mekudosh to me like, like the Zika. It was just a parable. It was just a way of speaking. And the way we know it's just a way of speaking is imagine me, Kara, originally before Chalitza. 
Had the person said the same words, you would me with the zika. Milo mahani wouldn't be effective. Hashanamani, so too, now it's effective. According to Rabbanu, we'll hold the ain zika. So when a person says, I want to be mekubish with the zika, he doesn't mean based on the zika. He just means it as a way of speaking. It just means it as, just like a woman who can't get married somebody else because she has Zika, so she's in a bind to the of them, so too I want to now make a mimer. I want to be married to you. So it's just a way of speaking. It's not like actually taking the law, the basis of the Zika and going ahead and making a condition based upon it. If you hold Yesh Zika, then we interpret the words differently. We say that Biskachuli with Zika Sifalman means I want to take the current relationship of the Zika. I want to take the marriage of Zika and I want to put it into a mimer. Okay, so it's a literal language. So post chalitza, the literal language doesn't make sense. So then it undermines what you're doing. According to the opinion that ain't zika, it never can be understood literally because zika is never a marriage. So what does it mean? It's actually the zika zivamin. It must just mean like an illustration, a way of speaking, a parable of sorts. That just as zika puts us in a, puts us in a bind, now I want to put you in a bind through mimer. Okay, so it's just a way of speaking. So the, chalit, the zika is here now, the zika is not here now. It doesn't make a difference. Bottom line is, if you're making a mimer, it can work because a mimer is a regular condition. So according to the second approach of the Gemara, is that he said, and we're trying to figure out what the meaning of the words, whether or not it can make sense, post the chalitza. A third understanding of the dispute, Rav Shirav Ya'amar. The chalitza chair, if it was a regular chalitza that was done, a regular chalitza, when we say kosher chalitza or apostle chalitza, kosher chalitza means that the zika was strong. It was done in a way when yibam was on the table, it could have been done, and chalitza was removing that. If a good chalitza was on, and if he said, um, with the zika of Yaviva, everybody would hold that it cannot help because the chalitza took away the zika. In other words, everybody holds in this approach, if you're going to emphasize the mimers working with the zika, and you're talking about posa chalitza, and the chalitza removed the zika, everybody would hold it wouldn't work. But here, what happened was, we're talking about a case where the chalitza was done in a deficient zika. What does that mean? It was like there was already, let's say, a get which was given. So once a get is given and chalitza is off the table, and yibam is off the table, so the chalitza that is done is a chalitza psula. It's a weak, deficient chalitza because the zika is inferior. So now the question is, one person holds that we chalitza also is going to free the yivama. doesn't take her away. Meaning, what we're trying to say is, if I do a chalitza psula, after that, is there a place for a mimer still to be chal? Is there, is there something to the zika? Or is the zika completely dissolved all the time after chalitza? So we learned back in the Mishnah, we emphasized this when we learned it, that chalitza is always a superpower. Chalitza, no matter whether it's deficient, it's not. It's strong, it's weak. Even was on the table, it wasn't on the table. The zika we're looking at is strong and weak. It makes no difference. The chalitza always frees her completely and removes all the zika. And at that point, there's no place really to make a mimer, any, a, a mimer even anymore. But now we're saying that actually it might be machlokistanam. That might be a view of somebody and we're going to see this view on the Ahmed Beis who argues on the Mishnah and he holds that a getter or a mimer could take effect after a weak chalitza. In his view, there's an element of the zika which is intact post the chalitza. Even the chalitza itself is not always going to free her in, of completely of the zika in a case where it was a chalitza psula. So according to him, that's the why there's actually some, some element of the zika left. So now we're saying that specifically we're talking about a case where the chalitza was a chalitza psula. It was after, let's say, a get was given. So if it's a chalitza psula, and now the guy's making a, 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 a mimer on the zika. So if you hold chalitza psula pateras, that there's no, nothing left of the zika, so then the mimer won't take effect. But if I hold that after a chalitza psula, there is some element of zika left, then the mimer would in fact take effect. 
Now the Gemara gives a fourth understanding. Everybody else a chalitza p'sula doesn't completely release her, but we're not dealing with a, a weak chalitza. We're dealing with a case where there was a regular chalitza. But what happened? We're talking about a case that the person, when he did, made when the Yavam, the Yavama, when they made the chalitza, they put in a stipulation. And the question is, is there, normally when I make type of a chalitza, let's say I get married, I can make a stipulation with the woman that it's only binding with such and such a condition. I'm only getting married to you if you give me $200. You can do that. You want to make it under, under a certain stipulation, make it. By, but what about when you do a chalitza? When you do a chalitza, could you make a, something that's binding? One person holds, yeah, you can make it binding. So if you hold the ishtanai b'chalitza, and let's say, you know, they said, you're, I'm only giving you this chalitza, it's only effective if you uh, give me $200. And she doesn't give him $200. So then what would the law be? The chalitza didn't go in effect. If the chalitza didn't go in effect and he made the maimer, therefore the maimer would be in effect. There's no such thing as making a stipulation with chalitza. Chalitza is not a chalitza that you can make a stipulation with. So if let's say the Yavam said to the Yavama, Here's the chalitza, we're going to do it, but only if you give me $200. She doesn't follow through and give $200. According to the second view, the chalitza is still binding because there's no power of the parties to restrict the, 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 the effect of the chalitza based upon the stipulation. A stipulation can't be made with chalitza. If so, if I made a chalitza with a stipulation that didn't work, the chalitza would still, would, would still free her. If the chalitza is still freed her, then the mimer can't take effect on the zika. So we're saying, is there still zika after a, after a chalitza when there was a stipulation that didn't, make, that didn't work? So if you hold that the, I, could, I could stipulate with a chalitza and it didn't and follow through, so then the zika is still there, so then the mimer will take effect. But if I hold ain't deny by chalitza, that I cannot stipulate regarding chalitza, so then if the stipulation didn't go in effect, I don't really care. The chalitza still worked. If the chalitza still worked, then the mimer won't take effect. Now, the question we want to think about is what is the question about yeah, I can make a stipulation with chalitza, yes or no? Like as I said, you can make a stipulation when I'm a college somebody, I can be a college girl only on condition she gives me $200. So why would chalitza be any different? So the Gemara Suba says a very interesting insight. You can only make uh, a tenai about something that you can point an agent for. If it's a type of chalos that can be performed through an agent, then also you can make a stipulation. Chalitza, we're going to see, cannot be done through an agent. We'll learn about this later in the Masech. It has to be done directly. So therefore, you also might not be able to make a stipulation. What is the connection between making a shliach and making a stipulation? So the Achronim talk about it. The Pashup shot is because we learn stipulation from B'nai God of B'nai Ruven, from the story in the Torah. There was something that could be done through an agent, and it could then maybe say it could happen with a Tanai. But otherwise, you cannot. That's the simple understanding. But the Achronim take it to a further idea that it depends whether the chalitza is something that is in your control. Is it something that you control to happen in X, Y, and Z, or is it just if it happens, it happens? And that's the idea. If you can't make an agent, it might just be that Khalid is like, if it just happens, it happens. If the shoe is off, now she's free. It doesn't necessarily mean that someone controls it. It doesn't belong to you. You can't can make a condition with it. You might not be under your jurisdiction to do that. So that might be what the element of the dispute is. But at any rate, that is the fourth analysis of the Machlokas. A fifth one, you could make a stipulation. The question is, you made a stipulation, but you didn't double it. What does it mean to double? To double means, you know, to, if I say, if you give me $200, then the chalitza is binding. But I didn't go on and say, and if you don't give me $200, then the chalitza is not binding. I said it in a one way, but with the implication being that it wouldn't work in the other way. So what happens if I do that? We're arguing what happens. Is a stipulation, is it necessary for the stipulation to be in effect for it to be doubled? Yeah, it has to be doubled. If I don't say the other half, if I don't say, and if you don't give me $200, then it's not in effect, then there's no stipulation. Stipulations have to be two ways. So if I don't state explicitly, and if you don't do it, then it won't take effect, then the stipulation wasn't said. If the stipulation wasn't said, if it wasn't doubled, so then the stipulation is not there. We're going to just say that the Maisa Chalitza is there. Maisa Chalitza We don't require a Tanai Kafal. So therefore, the Chalitza is, 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 is always going to be contingent upon the stipulation. 
even if you didn't double it, meaning the stipulation is in effect. According to Rabbi, the stipulation is only in effect if you doubled it. According to Rabbana, the stipulation is always in effect even if you didn't double it. So now imagine, I said to the Obama, you're going to be free, but only if you give me $200. And I didn't say, and if, but if you don't give me $200, you're not free. I didn't say that. So according to the Rabbana, we don't require double stipulation. Stipulation is in effect. So what happens if she doesn't give me $200 then? Then what happens? The chalitza wasn't a chalitza. So if I do a mimer, the mimer could take effect. According to Rebbe, no. If I didn't double the stipulation, the stipulation is not in effect. If now she removes the shoe, the chalitza worked. If the chalitza worked, the zika is gone. So if I give a mimer, it will not take effect. So these are all different creative ways of, an, of analyzing the machlokas about whether after I, after I did chalitza, if I say he's got you leave it with the mimer to the zika, whether or not it takes effect. Is the zika still there? So usually in a regular chalitza, the zika is not there. We're figuring out all sorts of cases where the zika might be there and how we can figure out a machlokas tanam about it. We had so many different different ways of understanding it. Maybe it was a chalitza psula, that's machlokas if it applies. Maybe there's a question of yeshnai v'chalitza. Maybe there's a question of whether the tanai has to be kaful. All these different approaches that the Gemara has to understanding what the case is of the dispute between Rabbi and the Rabbana. Okay. Now we go back and we analyze, clean up some points that the Mishnah made. So what did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah spoke about a case where somebody did chalitza, and again, the Mishnah's opinion is that after chalitza, no matter what the chalitza was, whether it was kosher or apostle, meaning whether it was on a strong or weak chalitza, the chalitza always removes all the zika, and anything done afterwards doesn't take effect. The Mishnah then merged it with a case where you did bia first. If you did bia first, so obviously it removes the zika, and then in that case as well, there's not going to be anything that would take effect afterwards. But when the Mishnah goes and actually says it, it only emphasizes the law that there's nothing after chalitza. So the Gemara says, Venisi nami the the Mishnah should emphasize as well that after you do a Bia in the beginning, after I do a Yibam in the beginning, that nothing takes effect afterwards. Why is the Mishnah not emphasizing that? The Mishnah emphasizes nothing takes effect after a Chalitza, but the Mishnah does not emphasize nothing takes effect after Bia, even though that law was really inherent in the Mishnah, right? That rule was there because the Mishnah said that nothing will take effect if I did a Bia first. How come the Mishnah doesn't emphasize it in the rule? So the Gemara says, Yeah, you should amend it. We should teach that in the gears of the Mishnah that there's nothing valid after a Bia as well. Says the Marvatani Dana Artana, who seems not to have it. Of course, it's implied in the Mishnah because the rule was that even if it didn't say it as a rule, the law was there. If I did a Bia first, nothing takes effect afterwards. But he didn't state it as a rule because he said the rule, there's nothing after Chalitza. And you'll, you'll be self-understood there will be nothing after a Yibam that took effect right away. The Tana just spoke, preferred to speak about Chalitza because it was more interesting to speak about the Yivama going Motor Lashok that now there's nothing that takes effect. But in a Hanami, it's self-understood that after a Yibam in the beginning as well, since it removed the Zika, nothing else will take effect. The Tana just preferred to state the rule in terms of the Chalitza. Says the Gemara, When we spoke about in the Mishnah, we had a member of a dispute if yesh get, acher get. It was machlokas if I give, let's say there were two yavamas, I give one yavama a get and I give the second one a get. The first one took effect. Does the second one take effect? Or the mission spoke about, let's say there's one yavama but two boys. Each boy give a get. Is the second get take effect? Again, the nafkimina is mostly whether or not the relatives are also on each other from the second get. So, so our Mishnah said it was machlok, so Rekumliya and the Rabbanon. Rekumliya holds there's never a get after a get. The Rabbanon always say there is a get after a get. We analyzed that, we discussed that. So now the Mishnah says, Mesis and Ben Our Mishnah is not like Ben Ben makes a compromise between them. By the way, I said get, but the machlokas was also by maimer. So the Tanya says in the price, Benazi, Omar, Yesh, Maimar, Chamai, Mishnah, Yivam, 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 Achas. When it's two Yivamin and one Yivama, the second maimer does take effect. So meaning brother number one who survived gives maimer. Now the second brother does maimer. So, 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 so that was machlokas from Gamaliel and Rabbanu. Rabbi Gamaliel was going to say, Ein maimer, Achar maimer. The second maimer does not take effect, right? There's no maimer. Whereas the Rabbanu said the second maimer does take effect. 
So Ben Azai says, in that case, where it was two Yavamin, Yavam Achas, I say, Yesh Mamar Chamaimer, like the Rabbanan. But the other way, in Mamar Chamaimer, Yesh Nevamos, Yavam Achad. If there's one brother, but two Yavamos, where again, that was a dispute with Gamliel and the Rabbanan, here Ben Azai is going to side like Rabbi Gamliel. He's going to say, if it's two girls and one Yavam, once you did Mamar to one girl, you can't do Mamar to the second girl. So basically, he's saying, each boy is given the tool to do, to do Mamar again. Each guy is given it. Well, you only have one, one opportunity as a guy. But the girl, if there's a, make a difference. In other words, when there's two girls and one Yavam, you used up your mind. You have one mind power. As the Rabbanim were saying, no, you have one mind power to each girl. Ben Azai is splitting. He's saying, no, each guy has one mind power. Very interesting split, which he makes. Okay, says the Gemara, Ketzan, Maimer, Lezu, Maimer, Lezu. What happened? The Mishnah illustrated what happened if he did Maimer with this Yavama. So he did, I'm sorry, the case was he did Maimer to one Yavama, and then he did, then did Chalitza to the second Yavama. That was the case. Again, I did Maimer to one Yavama. At that case, if I want to do Chalitza, so who, should, who did the Mishnah assume I did Chalitza to? It, it assumed I did Chalitza to the second girl, and then it went back and I said that the first girl still needs a get. Why? Because she had a Maimer. She had a Maimer. So even though the Chalitza is going to free her, but she was married, so she needs a get to remove her marriage from the Maimer. So the Gemara says, wait a second. How could, the, how could it work uh, um, how could it, what the Mishnah seemed to specify that you did Chalitza with a different Yavama than the one who got the Mimer. That's what it was. I mean, the main point of the Mishnah is that after you did Chalitza, the Balas HaMimer still needs to get. But the Mishnah sp- emphasized that the case was that the Chalitza was done to the non-Balas Mimer girl, to the second widow. You could have made the same point if you did Chalitza to the Mimer girl as well. If you did Chalitza to the Mimer girl, she's still going to need to get. So why is the Mishnah speaking specifically that the Yavam did Chalitza with the other Yavama, not with the girl who got the Mimer? So the Gemara says, Lehmer says, Shmuel, support Shmuel, Amr Shmuel, Chalitza Balas HaMimer, Luniftar Atzarah. That, remember, in this case, you have one girl who got Mimer and one girl who didn't. So Shmuel says, if you're going to do Chalitza, who should you do it to? You should do it to the Tzara, not to the Balas Mimer. Why? Because there's something weaker about the Chalitza to the Balas Mimer. Why? Because it doesn't completely free her. She needs to get. So that's a weaker sense of Chalitza than Chalitza to the Tzara, who didn't get the Mimer, and she would just be freed with the Chalitza alone. So that's a weakness in, in the Chalitza to the Balas Mimer. So Shmuel says, if you're picking which girl to do Chalitza to, Shmuel back from the Ach of Zion, he told us, you should do Chalitza to the non Balas Mimer. So the Mishnah seems to emphasize like him, because the Mishnah assumed that's what you did. You did Mimer to one girl, hey, Chalitza to the second girl. Oh, says the Mishnah, the first girl still needs a get. Why did the Mishnah speak out that point that way? Why not just say, I did Mimer to one girl, and I did Chalitza to her, and still say she needs a get? Why, Why are we emphasizing the Chalitza with the second girl? Tarot is to support Shmuel. Chalitza should be done with the second girl in that case, because her Chalitza would be better. Second of all, Tiyavta de Rav Yosef. Or, or maybe we should reject Rav Yosef. If you don't accept Shmuel and you say that the Mishnah didn't matter which girl you said Chalitza to, let's say, well then what about Rav Yosef? Rav Yosef says that a person should always have good Midas. So if you're going to do Chalitza and you're going to passel someone to Kahuna, better passel someone who's anyway going to be passel to Kahuna. So in our case, I'm going to have to give a gad to girl number one who got Mimer. I'm not going to have to give a gad to girl number two. So when I go to do Chalitza, who should I do Chalitza to, if anything, girl number one? Because she's anyways going to get again become it's not nice to give it to girl number, number two and disqualify her. So what the Gemara means is, if you don't accept Shmuel, then it would reject Rav Yosef. Either you say did Chalitza to girl number two because you have to, because of Shmuel's din, and if for whatever reason you don't accept Shmuel's din, then it would reject Rav Yosef, because then you should absolutely dafka do Chalitza to girl number one, 
because anyway she's going to be disqualified to Kuna because of her get. So the Gemara says, you're making too much out of the Mishnah. Mikatoni, Cholet, did the Mishnah tell you, I'd give you advice who you should do Chalitza to? Did it say, go do Chalitza to girl number two? Chalat Kitani. It just said, if Chalitza was done with the second one, do you have it? It could be in a Chanamitz after the fact, but really it didn't tell us what the ideal procedure is. Maybe ideally we would assume you should do Chalitza to girl number one since she's anyone, it's going to be disqualified to Kuna because of her get. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm a little confused because didn't we just before that there's a chalitza psula? Yes. You do the chalitza after the get. Yes. But Arisha said that's that's what you're supposed to do. Correct. 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 Yeah. 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 Y
What did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah was saying that if a Yavam does Chalitza with one widow, so now a Mimer with a second widow has no effect. Okay? Again, what happens? A simple case. You do Chalitza with one widow. Nothing complicated. That obviously frees her. So now when I go and I do a Mimer with the second widow, it's not going to be Chal. Okay? Nothing, nothing's going to happen. Or the Mishnah said, if I do Chalitza with one, with a girl, a Mimer wouldn't take effect on that Yavam. Okay? After Chalitza, they're free. So the Gemara speaks out. Remember, we had a Machlokas and Daf Yud. Very interesting dispute. Everybody agrees that after you do Chalitza, if you marry the Chalitza, it's a lav. What about if you marry the co-wife? If you marry the co-wife of someone you did Chalitza to, is it a plain lav? That's Rabbi Yochanan's view. Because he viewed Chalitza as like shlichos, all of them did it. It's as if they all have the lav. Rabbi said that the, non, that the co-wife of the girl who did Chalitza actually has karis. Her Eshesach comes back. So the Gemara says, Bishlam Rabbi Yochanan, who said, everybody only has an Iser. It's a Chiddush for the Tanah to say, Kedushin doesn't take effect on only a plain Chavi Lavin. So that's why the Mishnah makes a point of saying, Mimer wouldn't take effect not only on the Chalutza, but it wouldn't take effect on the other girl as well, the co-wife, and it's a Chiddush, because even though it's only a Chavi Lavin, Kedushin doesn't take effect. And the Mishnah is going like Rabbi Akiva, as we said, and the Mishnah is emphasizing, even though it's only a Chavi Lavin, Kedushin doesn't take effect. holds that when there's Chalitza, after it's done between one Yavam and Yavama, that everybody else in the, in the house, every other brother and every other co-wife, it's, it's Karis, Eishazah comes back. So what's the novelty that Mimer is not going to take effect? Is it a Chiddush for the Mishnah to tell us that there's no Kedushin on a Chavi Krisus, meaning what the Gemara is bothered by is there's no novelty according to Rishlagish that Mimer doesn't take effect to the other Yavama. That Mimer doesn't take effect to the Chalutza. That's a Gishmak Chiddush. It's only a Chavilav. But if Rishlagish is right that to the other girls or to the other brothers it's Kares, so then there's no novelty that there's no Tvisis Kedushan. There's no novelty that Mimer doesn't take effect after Chalitza. Once Chalitza was done to one girl, that, that, that Mimer won't work to the other girl. Of course, that's Kares. So the Gemara answers, You think every line here is a Chiddush? Seifa says, Someone did Bia first, and then the other brother did Mimer with her. Right? So one guy married her, did Bia, and then the other brother did Mimer. It doesn't take effect. That's Eishas Ish. Right? Obviously, it's not going to take effect. Of course. Once one brother did Ibum, if another brother is attempting to marry her, that's Mimer, that's like attempting to marry a married woman. Of course, that's not going to work. Ella, everything is just a tangent here. I do. Since the Tana was telling us all the laws that happened between one Yavam and one Yavam, it went through all the possibilities of the laws that would happen if there were two Yavamas. Since it was telling us all the different laws that would come out by two Yavamas and one Yavam, it taught us all the laws that would come out for two Yavam and one Yavama. But in the Hanami, not every line here in the Mishnah is a Chiddush. So it's not a Chiddush that Mimer is not Tophis to the second Yavama. It's not a Chiddush that Mimer is not Tophis from the other brother to the girl who, to the girl who when she did Yibam. You're right. So some of these things are not such a Chiddush. Continues the Gemara. The first Yavam did Chalitza and then he did a Mimer or a Get or, or there was Bia first. So there's nothing to valid after the Chalitza. So the Gemara says, but basically, the point here is very simple. Once Chalitza and Yibam are done, nothing is Tophi. So the Gemara says, why do we have to analyze? Why do we have to speak this all out? I understand. Where I did Chalitza first and now Maimer, I understand why the Mishnah has to tell me that it's a novelty, that it doesn't take effect. It's like I would think it does. Because I should decree that we should make a decree that Maimer after Chalitza is effective because of a concern for confusion with Maimer before Chalitza. If Maimer is before Chalitza, it is Kona. When Maimer is after Chalitza, we're saying according to Rabbi Kiva, it's Nachal. But we would think that she should need to get even according to Rabbi Akiva because otherwise people would say Maimer never takes effect. So maybe even though it's now a lavin, in condition taisim chavi lavin after the chalitza, but maybe she should need a get. Is exactly a concern people would, would say, oh, mimers never taisis. 
Okay, so that's why the Mishnah has to tell us, we don't make the decree. Mimer after Chalitza doesn't take effect. get, But the case where there was Chalitza and then he gave a get, of course there's no validity to such a Chalitza. It's totally meaningless. If you have one Yavam and one Yavama, what is the get going to do after Chalitza? What is the Mishnah even speaking about such a case? One Yavam, one Yavama. He gives her Chalitza, she's free. And if he gives her a get, the get is nothing. Of course it's meaningless. What would it mean? Of course there's nothing to it. And, uh, and you think about it, in terms of her relatives being us on each other, they're anyways us on each other. Once you did Chalitza, their relatives are us on each other. There's a, 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 a Shiloh, what if I give a get now as a Chal, as a Nachal? There's nothing to speak about in such a case. So the Gemara says, you're right, it's Taka, just the Agav, everything. The Gemara goes back to this with proving from the other parts of the Mishnah that a lot of things here are just said for symmetry. Let's look at the next part of the Mishnah. Bal the Yavam did Bia, he did Yibam with the Yavama, and then he did a Mimer, or Bal get. he did Bia and then he gave her a get. So what do we say? That after, uh, you know, after, after, the, after the Bia, there's nothing that is Chal. So Bishlama, Bal get Itzrech. Bishlama in a case where he did Bia and then he gives a get to the Zika, Itzrech, it's a Chiddish. Maybe we should decree that a get after Chalitza shouldn't release the Yavama. To get the common bila, just like you get before bia. If you would give a get before the bia, what's the law? It doesn't release her, right? You need chalitza as well. So I would say that maybe a get after bia, after yibam, also maybe shouldn't release her. Why? Because maybe uh, people shouldn't get people won't, will think that a get could always release a yibam even before. So therefore, it's a chiddush to say kamashon do lagaz rinon. And if I if if I, if you did if you did yibam and now you, now you want to release her, you could just give a plain get. What's the chiddush of the case where a yavam went did bia with the yavama? He did yibam. And now he gives mimer. What, what is? Well, imagine you went over to your, your, a woman you're married to and you give her a kedushin. <laughs> what is that? Well, it's obviously it's obviously meaningless. You're right. Since you just wanted to speak about a case where he did yibum. I'm sorry. First we start off where he did chalitza and then he did mimer. Uh, we wanted to speak about that case. That was the big chiddush that the kedushin is not chal because we're going like Rabbi Akiva. So Tanan Ami Mimer. So just to be uh, to be symmetrical, we spoke about a case where he did yibum and then he did Mimer. That it's not chal. Since the Tana wanted to speak about a case of Baal Venas and Get, that even though he did, so, so, so even though Get before Bia doesn't free her Bia, but after the Bia would, we spoke about the case where there was Chalitza and then there was a Get, even though that case is Taka meaningless. So after you do Chalitza, a Get is totally meaningless. It's obvious it's meaningless. After you do Yibam, a Mimer is totally meaningless. But we just spoke about them to be symmetrical with the opposite case. All right. Now, now we're going to go to this Chalitza Psula business. Remember, our Mishnah said as follows. Let's just go through what the Torah of our Mishnah held. Our Mishnah said like this. Bia, when it comes first, totally dissolves the Zika. It's gone. Now it's just a regular married woman. Chalitza, no matter when it comes, always removes the Zika. That's what the Torah of the Mishnah said. Even if it's a deficient Chalitza, like let's say there was a get first, and then a Chalitza, the Chalitza removes everything. There's no, there's no validity to anything that would come afterwards. However... With Bia, it's different. A Bia Psula, there is validity afterwards. So let's just speak out what that case was. Let's say there's one Yavama I give a get to, and then a second Yavama I do, I do Bia with. So that's a Bia Psula. I'm not supposed to do that. So it doesn't completely remove all the Zika. And we said that afterwards, you know, she would require a Chalitza, or if I did, you know, a get to a third widow, it would take effect. So we made a split between a Chalitza Psula and a Bia Psula. A Bia Psula doesn't totally dissolve the Zika. A Chalitza Psula does. Remember the reason for that. The Gemara spoke out. The Gemara, right in the beginning of the parak, the Gemara explained why. The Gemara says 
that that let's say the bia followed a get, we're concerned that it, the bia to follow chalitza after chalitza you're not allowed to do you're not allowed to do bia. It's a lot. So if we would say bia after get completely removes the zika, people will say you could do bia after a chalitza as well, and that's totally usher. So therefore, to protect that, we said if bia is done after a get, it doesn't dissolve the zika. That's why a bia psula doesn't remove it. But the Gemara says that a chalitza psula, there's no decree. Like, we have no problem for a person who does chalitza after a chalitza. Like, there's no reason to make that. So, therefore, we said a chalitza psula always removes the zika. So, now the Gemara says, Our myth, our tana is not like the following tana. The tanya says in a price, was reported in the name of Rabbi both for Bia and Chalitza. If they're done at the beginning when the Chalitza is valid and strong, then there's no validity to anything afterwards. It completely removes the Zika. But if it's done in the middle or at the end, meaning if it's done in a puzzle away, it's done when the Chalitza is not strong, then there is validity to things that happen afterwards. In other words, by Chalitza as well, if the Chalitza is done when the Zika is weird, I did, let's say, a get first, and now I do chalitza, the chalitza does not completely dissolve everything that's there. There's an element of the zika that remains. So let's say there would be a third widow then, and I would give her a mimer or a get, it would take effect. And this is what we were referencing on the Amad Aleph earlier today. That this, there is an opinion that a chalitza psula, when it was done after a get, then that chalitza psula does not completely dissolve everything. And therefore, there's a place for something still to be chal on a third widow. So now we elaborate, it comes out that there are three different opinions. Tanakama Savar, the Tanakama of the Mishnah, who holds that there's a difference between Bia and Chalitza. He says, Bia equal a mixer. On Bia, Bia Psula, you could make Xera. Remember, what was our Xera? If I say a Bia after Get would completely dissolve the Zika, people would come to do Bia after Chalitza. So therefore, we said Bia after Get doesn't completely dissolve. There, by Bia, we make the Xera. Chalitza doesn't make the Xera. By Chalitza, we don't have a problem to make a decree. Somebody does a bunch of Chalitzas, we don't care. Look, guys, you know, we don't make a decree. So therefore, a Bia Psula is not fully effective, but a Chalitza Psula is fully effective. Reb Nechemia Savar, then there was a Tanah Reb Nechemia who was mentioned in the Mishnah. What did he say? He said, by Bia also, we're not concerned. Even a Bia Psula dissolves all the Zikah. So what do you say that we should be Gozer Bia after Get, that it shouldn't be totally effective because we're scared someone will do a Bia after Chalitzah? Everybody knows it's forbidden to do Bia after Chalitzah, so nobody's going to come to do that. Where we should say that if Bia was done to a second girl after Mami to a first girl, we should say it's not fully effective on the Zika because people might come to do Bia to a second Yavama after they did Bia to First Yivama. Again, people know they're not to do that. Even the Bia Medarai saw Hamede Yadi. So Reb Nechemia's point is even a Bia Psula does, to, it is totally effective. It does totally free because we don't have anything to protect. Everybody knows the laws in the Medarai saw not to do Bia after Chalitza to a second Yivama or Bia after Bia to a first Yivama. But Rabbi Yosef Ben Chanan, Rabbi Yosef Ben Chanan, who said that even a Chalitza Psula is not totally effective, several like Rabbanan, the guys would be a first of all, he holds like the Rabbanan who do make the Xerah by Bia, and then he takes it one step further, Rigazer Chalitza Mishim Bia. He said, in order to make sure to protect that Bia Psula, that Bia Psula doesn't totally free, we said Chalitza Psula also doesn't totally free. It's not that we have a concern by Chalitza itself, but we protect our law by Bia. Once we say Bia Psula doesn't totally free, so we extend the law in an unequivocal sense, and we say Chalitza Psula also leaves an element of the Zika. So bottom line, is if, you, if you're going to have beer or chalitza, everybody agrees you do it in the beginning, totally frees everything, all the girls, there's no zika on any of them. If you have it in the middle, what's the law? So we have three opinions. One opinion says we split bia and chalitza. It makes sense. On bia we have concerns. On chalitza we don't. That's the town of our Mishnah. Nehemiah says that we don't even make concerns even by bia. Even bia psulaf totally removes the zika. And then we have one opinion takes it further and says since we're gozer on bia psulaf, we're gozer on chalitza psulaf as well. Hajj and Allah, where we go, a bit of a difficult parak. Okay. 
Now we go back to very like simple Yisraelis of the way that Yibam is done. Says the new parakabah al Yivimto, somebody who has in Bia with his Yivama. How is Yibam done? Being Bishoy, he could be mistaken. Rashi says he doesn't even know that the Yivama is his Yivama. He's trying to have Bia with his wife. It was dark. He doesn't know that it's her. So even if it was Bishogi, normally you can't make a Kenyan Bishogi. If you don't know it's the girl, yeah, but Yibam doesn't need Das. Or if it's Bemezid, he's not trying to do Yibam. He's just trying to have a promiscuous act of Bia. What's the law? Bain Ba'ones, whether it was coerced. The Gemara will explain what the coercion is. Bain Ba'ratzon, he's doing it willingly. And what it is, it's just to be symmetrical. He's trying to do it not for the sake of the mitzvah. Even if he was mistaken and she is mezidah. Who mezid vi shogegas? He is mezid and she is mistaken. Who anus vi lo anus? He is coerced and she is not coerced. He anus vi lo anus. He's coerced, she's coerced, and he's not. All the cases, or we continue with a new point. Let's say you only do ma'ara. Ma'ara means you only start the bia. You don't finish the bia. We'll see exactly how that's defined. What does it mean to start a bia? Or you complete it in all of these cases. The biggest side we're going to learn from the psukim. Any way that the bia happened. With das, without das, complete, full. It makes no difference. Any way that there's any bia whatsoever, yiba mezchal. But Lochilig and Bia, the Torah doesn't distinguish between any different form of Bia. Obviously, what is that coming to add? We'll have to see in the Gemara. Now, this idea that we've been saying, that even a partial Bia, just partial penetration, is considered an act of Bia. The Gemara says, The same is true for all Arias. Whenever the Torah says, Don't sleep with a certain woman, Opsulos, or someone who's disqualified for marriage. Divorce your Chalutza to a regular coin. Um, a regular Jewish girl who can't marry a Mamzer or Nassim. In all these cases, Psala, he disqualifies her from Kahuna, even with just a little bit. There's a law, right, for marrying it that she can't marry a Kohen, she becomes disqualified. Even with just a little bit of a Bia, all these cases, uh, what is the law? The Torah doesn't distinguish between different types of Bia. Even if only a partial thing, it would become possible with all these other types of Bia. And Pashas, the mission is coming to say as well, even if it's Bishokin. So in other words, it, it doesn't make a difference. The girl becomes disqualified for Kahuna. She's considered that now she's done uh, uh, the wrong Bia, which disqualifies for Kahuna, even if the Bia was done Bishokin, it doesn't make a difference. The same way by Yibam, we don't disqualify in the Kenyan, so to hear. Where do we distinguish? You know, other types of kinyanim. You know, if a man is trying to be makadish, a woman, bibia, and he doesn't know who the girl is, he's not going to become the husband and wife. You have to have das. But by yibum, you don't have to have das. And we're saying in the law that a girl becomes disqualified with bia by doing something forbidden, it doesn't make a difference if there's das or not, if it was complete. So now the Gemara examines what we what did we say? We said, even if he's mistaken and she has been made. So the Gemara says, Maya Filu. What why is it a bigger khidish? Even when we say Afilu, we mean to say that the following case is more of a makadish to thing. But, uh, so what does it mean even if he's mistaken and the woman? So the Gemara explains. Lomi The Mishnah is saying in a lomi bai way. Lomi bai mitzvah. Certainly the yibam is chav. Let's say he's bishogeg, but she is trying to do the mitzvah. So at least you have one of the parties who are, who, who, who are on, who, who's doing the right thing. Inami or who mezid become a the mitzvah. Let's say he's mezid, but again, she's trying to do the mitzvah. Elafilu, the Mishnah is saying, Elafilu even if he's mistaken and she's mazed, they're both not intending to do the mitzvah. He's not, he doesn't even know it's the right girl. She's trying to do it just to have a promiscuous activity. Both of them are not intending to do the mitzvah. Nonetheless, Afilu Achikona. Yibam still works. That, and that's what the Mishnah was saying with Afilu. That you would say maybe it's only one of the parties is trying to do the mitzvah. But the Mishnah is saying, even if both of the parties are not, one doesn't know it's the right girl, the other one's trying to just have a promiscuous act of snos. The mitzvah is not what's on their minds. Allah still is that Yibam is chal. The Gemara says a price that also pretty much makes that same point. Tani anusim. It doesn't make a difference. Both of them can be mistaken. Both of them can be mazed. Both of them can be coerced. It's always going to be 
a valid Ibn. It doesn't make a difference. And the Mishnah, we would assume, agrees with this. The Mishnah is funny. The Mishnah didn't speak this out. The Mishnah had a case where, like, he was Bishogeg, she was Bimezid. The Brahsa speaks about a case where, like, they were both Shogeg, they were both Mezid. It's all the same, the Rishonim say. The, the point here is, is that no, there's no element of Das, which is required. So if there's no element of Das, which is required, so then uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have any issue with it. However, the act of Bia happened, the act of Bia happened.